Turning your Bibles to John chapter 16, we have been on a journey for over a year now through the Gospel of John, declaring who Jesus is each week. And today we're going to declare Jesus is the promise maker. Can we say that? He is the promise maker. The context of John 16 is basically John 13 through 17 are his last words before going to the cross. Here we are in chapter 16. The context he is talking about persecution that they're going to be going through. But then he's going to give them some encouraging words that we're going to look at today. John 16 verse 7. Nevertheless, in other words, in spite of these things, I tell you the truth. Can we say truth? It is to your advantage that I go away. Can we say advantage? For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. Can we say helper? But if I depart, I will send him to you. Can we say I will send? I will send him to you. And when he has come, he will convict the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. That's the sin that keeps people out of heaven is not believing in Jesus because he is the way to heaven. Lying and stealing and cheating and all those other sins are dealt with by what he did in the cross. So the sin problem all starts with believing in Jesus. So the Holy Spirit is in the earth. He sent the Holy Spirit to deal with that. And he empowers the church to preach Christ. To convict the world of sin, of righteousness and judgment. Of sin because they do not believe in me. Of righteousness, because I go to my Father, and you see me no more. Christ has gone to heaven to ensure the fact that we are now made righteous. He gives and takes away. He gives us his righteousness, and he takes away our sins. As the resurrected Lamb, he's in heaven, and our place representing us before the Father is ensuring us a place of righteousness. We have right standing with God because our representative is with God. He happens to be God. We are seated in heavenly places already in Christ. If our nation was to send an ambassador to Moscow, that ambassador is a representative of our nation. That embassy is America in a foreign land. Just is. So Christ is us in heaven, and we are him. We represent him on earth. When I was a little kid, my family was missionaries to Liberia, West Africa. And the U.S. Embassy, every 4th of July, threw a big party for the Americans that were there. And, oh, what a joy it was for us, the time or two that we got to go, to go in there for apple pie and ice cream and hot dogs and Coke and fireworks. It was like we were back home in America, even though we weren't. We were inside the walls of that embassy. It was a joyous occasion. A representation of our land was there. We were literally in America In a foreign land. And so here, as a church, we get to taste heaven. We are the embassy of heaven. We are the ambassadors, representatives of heaven in the earthly realm. And so Christ is our ambassador in heaven. So the Holy Spirit reveals these things to us and assures us of our righteousness. And through our ministry and the power of the Spirit that he's promised, like salt for thirsty people. We create a desire for people to want to be right with God. Convicts the world of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment because the ruler of this world is judged. 
through what Jesus did on the cross, the enemy who had authority over us was stripped of his authority. And now, as Christ's representatives, in his name, we've been given authority to represent him and authority to cast out demons. So if you're being tested and attacked with nightmares or some other bizarre spiritual phenomena, man, get some prayer because believers by the Spirit are able to deal with that stuff. We've been given authority. Christ has put the enemy under our feet on the cross. He lorded over us because we were sinners and we were separated from God, but now we've been remedied. Verse 12, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, here comes that promise again, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine, therefore he will take of mine and declare it to you. So everything that the Father owns, Jesus owns, and everything that Jesus owns, the Holy Spirit reveals to us. Let me just pause right here and talk about God. God is triune. He's three but one. In one of John's other books, 1 John, he says there are three that bear witness in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Spirit. These three are one. Now we know the Word of God became flesh and lived among us. The Word is equivalent now to the Son of God. Now it's not far out to believe that according to the Scriptures. But you may struggle with trying to figure out how they can be three and yet one, because there's not three gods, there's one God. You're sitting here today, you're one person, but you're three parts. Your body may be hungry for some lasagna, but your spirit may want to receive prayer at the conclusion of this service. And your mind may want to be home watching that video you rented, or finishing that book that you have to finish because you got a test tomorrow. So there's conflict going on between your body that's hungry, your spirit that's hungry, and your mind that's got some other things to do. You see that? The difference between us and God is he is in perfect harmony, perfect unity with himself. So the Holy Spirit comes from the Father through Jesus to us, to connect us to all that God has for us. Are you glad about it? This is a promise that Jesus made to us. Can we say Jesus is the promise maker? He's not the promise breaker. He's a promise maker. Now, we're going to go kind of fast. The reason being is this promise is so important, I want you to get it. Uh, so open your mind. And open your heart to the promises of Jesus. He promised the Holy Spirit. This promise was made by Christ. Earlier in this same discussion, on this same night before his death in chapter 14, it's recorded that he said, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper. This is the Holy Spirit. To be with you forever. 
even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Check this out, verse 18. I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Now, the context of the passage is he's talking about leaving them. He's going to be leaving and sending back the helper. Another translation says the comforter. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And then here he says, I'm not going to leave you orphans. I'm going to come to you. I believe he comes to us in the presence of his Holy Spirit. The Spirit declares everything that belonged to Christ. So the Spirit reveals Christ to us. He is in the earth to reveal Jesus to us so that we're not alone. So why is this an advantage? I would love to have Jesus here in the room, wouldn't you? In the flesh. But if he was, we wouldn't enjoy it as much as we thought we would because people would be ripping the roof off, dust would be flying everywhere, the parking lot would be jammed, news helicopters would be flying all over, and there would be terrorist threats. It would just be all kinds of nonsense. You ever try to go to a championship game and fight all the people? Or six flags on a day when the weather's good? Man, it's just like, wow, get me away from this. So the Holy Spirit coming is better than Jesus being in the flesh because he's available to us 24-7. He's not captive to a human body that has to be one place at one time. He's here all the time, available to us. This is the kind of promise that Jesus gave to us. Verse 26, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name or in my place, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I said to you. Can we say he will teach So he's our helper, he's our teacher, he's our reminder, he's the spirit of truth, he's the revealer of all that belongs to Jesus. The next chapter, verse 26, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. Can we say witness? So he will confirm things about Jesus that we need to know. And then back to our text, nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away to you, that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not, can we say not, not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. So he's leaving and he's sending the Holy Spirit. He's not leaving us orphans. He's coming to us. In the Holy Spirit. This is a promise. Can we say promise? The closest illustration I know to what having the Holy Spirit is like is having an app. Generations Church meets here generally every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. I say generally because sometimes all of us aren't here. And we meet here generally Wednesday nights at 7. And we meet here for special events at this location. But we are the church. The building isn't, okay? We call it the church building. You could come here maybe Monday night at 7 and nothing's here. But with our app, 24-7, 365.25 days out of every year, you can touch the icon of the app on your smartphone 
and you're at Generations Church, past services. It has a technology for live streaming, but we don't have that yet. You want some worship music? There's all kinds of worship songs available you can listen to there through the app. 24-7. Now, the Holy Spirit is so much better than this because he's live streaming. If your Wi-Fi goes down or the network goes down, it may not always work. Your computer might crash. Your phone might get a virus. Somebody may steal your phone. But with the Holy Spirit, you don't have any of those technical problems. You may need the fix. He's got the fix you need. You may need to be patched up. He's got the patch for you. The promise is made. The promise is predicted. Jesus just didn't come and arbitrarily start saying stuff. Things had been said earlier in the Scriptures. In the Old Testament, here's one such Scripture. Joel 2.28, it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Can we say all flesh? Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And he goes on and says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on your men servants and your maid servants. People of all classifications, all flesh are available to receiving this promise that's going to happen. But it didn't happen yet. This was centuries before. John the Baptist came to prepare the way for Jesus, and he said this of Jesus. He said, I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus himself said, if anyone thirsts, John chapter 7, 37, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. And he goes on, that the Spirit was not yet given because Christ was not yet glorified. So this was a prediction that was going to take place after Christ's glorification or his resurrection and ascension. So this promise was made, but it had previously been predicted. See that? We've had the promise made, and now here's the prequel to the promise. But the sequel to this promise is it actually is going to happen, and we're going to see that. Jesus told his followers in the last few verses of Luke's gospel, he said, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem, until you are endued with power from on high. So this is the promise that he made that's about to come to pass. Are you with me? All right. Luke wrote the gospel named after him, and then he wrote the next book after John called Acts, which is the story of the church. Before ascending, Christ is also related to saying these words. In Acts 1, verse 4, it begins, While staying with them, he, Jesus, ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father. Remember what happened in Luke 24? It's happening in Acts 1, which he said, You have heard from me. For, and then he quotes John's prophecy, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So the promise is getting closer. A few verses later, he says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Can you say my witnesses? 
my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Here we have a promise given, and now a promise is about to be received. You ever received a farewell gift from someone? Kind of helped take the pain away from their departure. Or you've been left in someone's will. Sometimes that can take the pain from some rich relative who deceased that you were close to and they've left you in their will and you are blessed as a result. Well, this is Jesus departing, but he is alive, making sure his will is going to be carried out. And like a lawyer who makes sure a will is fulfilled, he's making sure his will is fulfilled. And this promise was given to his people. And so Christ is alive to send the Holy Spirit to fulfill the promise that he made, like a farewell gift. The promise is then kept. The next chapter, it says they were all filled. Can we say all? They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance or gave them the ability. Peter was filled with the Spirit and with boldness and became a mighty witness and began to preach to the crowd that had gathered on this day. He said, this Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses. But therefore, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. So he's preaching the resurrection of Jesus. He's preaching the ascension of Jesus. And then he's preaching the outpouring of the Holy Spirit from Jesus. Because there were people from over 15 different nationalities gathered wondering why these Galileans are speaking their language. It was a miracle. And so he gives the explanation. Jesus has poured out his spirit. This is a sign that he's alive. Now, here's what's amazing about this day. You may not realize this. The day of Pentecost is also the anniversary date for David's death. David's tomb wasn't far from there. His tomb wasn't empty. His bones were in it, but yet there was this promise that David's kingdom wouldn't end, that David would have a son who would rule forever. Jesus came on the scene. And he now rules forever. So this is a glorious occasion for Peter to proclaim the truth. I don't know if he understood that at first, but by the Holy Spirit filling him, he began to declare some things about Jesus that nobody had seen before. So they are moved. The crowd is moved. They want to know what to do. And he goes on to tell them to repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He extended the promise to them. For the promise, what is this promise? The Holy Spirit is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. How many are a long ways from Jerusalem right now? In time and space. Everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Has anybody been called by God? Today is a day of salvation. Now is the time. He's still calling. And this promise is available To his children, because the promise maker is a promise keeper. He doesn't break his promises. Theologically, you could call me a continuationist. But don't throw me in the boat with all the crackpots. John MacArthur's written a book recently called Strange Fire. And he's thrown all continuations, that is, the people that believe Christ's ministries to continue through his church in the same power of the same Holy Spirit. He's thrown us in the same pot with all the false prophets. 
And his book is just full of dirt, of all the immorality in a lot of the false prophets' lives. It's just appalling. And if you buy it, it's going to fill your mind with stuff that, unless God tells you to buy it, I don't know that you would want to know all the dirt on everybody. I mean, it just we've got to guard ourselves against becoming judgmental Pharisees. I'm not afraid of the book, but the point is, he just throws everybody in the same pot and cooks a stew, and this is the book. You guys are the sensationists of wrong. Look at the disorder in their men. Well, Jesus himself said false prophets would come who could heal the sick, cast out devils, and they're not going to heaven. He is what's called a cessationist, which believes that the gifts of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit's ministry, has ceased. Now he works through the Scriptures, and we'll talk about that in a moment. And we don't need the gifts of the Spirit anymore. They have ceased. Cessationism. We could throw him in the same pot with some bizarre cessationist people. That wouldn't be fair. Right? But when you're on a mission to prove a point, you just do things that you wouldn't want done to you. It's basically what happens. My question is, did Jesus give promises? Does he break promises? God's not a man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he has to repent, the Bible says. Now, cessationism hides behind great respect for the Bible. And if you confront them, then they're going to accuse you of not having great respect for the Bible. But I greatly respect the Bible to the point I believe the promises that are in the Bible. Whether I receive all of them or not, I believe them. They're in the Scriptures. Why would the existence of a book of promises kill the existence of some of the promises that are in the book? Well, it's like getting a manual for your car that makes the car stop working. Well, we used to get gasoline, but now we have the manual. What is that? He's not a promise breaker. He's a promise maker, and he keeps his promises. And this promise is continuing throughout the book of Acts and into today. So let's go a little further in Acts. Two chapters later, they're having a prayer meeting. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and what happened? They spoke the word of God with boldness. The sign of a person that has been filled with the Spirit is the power to be a witness. That is a sign. That is a sign. I'm not going to downplay tongues in any way, but I'm not going to lift up tongues in any way either to the point that we miss the point of receiving the Holy Spirit is the power to be a witness. Whether you're speaking tongues or not is not the point. If you make tongues the point, you're going to get people faking it. I grew up in churches like that. We want the real deal, amen? Want the promise. And the promise is to receive the Holy Spirit. And boldness comes as a result. Chapter 8, the church in Samaria was born. The the apostles laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 9, Ananias found this guy who was intent on destroying the church named Saul, who was apprehended on the way to killing Christians and struck blind. And Ananias went and ministered to him, and he said, Brother Saul... The Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So this guy's healed, 
and filled with the Holy Spirit. And we know he got filled with the Holy Spirit because he began to declare things about Jesus. In fact, he wrote half the New Testament through the Holy Spirit. In Acts chapter 10, Peter's preaching to a house full of Gentiles. And while he's speaking, the Holy Spirit fell on everyone who heard the word. And they began speaking in tongues. In Acts chapter 13, 52, there were disciples that were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. We see several wrappings to this gift. We see tongues. We see in the Old Testament it was going to be prophecy. We see in Acts chapter 4, boldness to preach the word. We see Paul being healed, and here we see people being filled with joy. The promise is continuing. Christ has not yet returned. We have a race to run. Let's not drop the baton and get sidetracked and get off course. We need the power of God as much as we've ever needed it in the history of the church. And this promise is extended. In Acts 19, Paul found some disciples and he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, We have not so much as heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, How were you baptized? He said, John the Baptist baptized them, which was a baptism of washing, getting ready for the coming of the Messiah. He rebaptized them, which is acting out what we believe. Jesus died for our sins and was buried. And so through faith in his death, we are buried. After baptizing them, he laid hands on them, and the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. This is years later. It's still happening. We say still happening. The promise is extended. So I want to ask a question of everyone in the room today. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, the preacher told me I did. Have you received a boldness to be a witness? Are you getting insights from the scriptures that no one has taught you? That you've bounced off others and found out that they were right on? Or are things just kind of dead? It could be the Lord has more for you. Have you received the promise? The promise is that we wouldn't feel like orphans. We wouldn't feel helpless or powerless. We would be emboldened with the power of the Spirit to be witnesses. The promise is extended to us. Reach out and receive. Have you asked for this promise? Paul wrote in his letter to the church in Ephesus, chapter 5, verse 18, Do not be drunk with wine. We're in excess, but be filled with the Spirit. This word filled means continually being filled. Being filled with the Spirit. Some people would envision that possibly like pouring water in a glass and just letting it overflow. How about this picture? Have you seen a sailboat with those sails full of wind and it's moving somewhere? As long as those sails stay full of wind... You're able to steer the boat, and you're going somewhere. You're doing something. These lights, as long as they're full of power, and the power is constant, we're able to sit here and see each other and enjoy them. As soon as somebody cuts a circuit or the power station goes down, we've got darkness on our hands. But by being continually filled, we're empowered to be what God called us to be. What does this mean? This means we are to be continually dependent 
on God's strength, on his help. I grew up in churches that emphasized speaking in tongues at least once in your life. And the rest of the time, all they had to hope for was Jesus to come back and get us. And let's keep all the rules. And a bunch of anemic, powerless, negative people who were not staying filled with the Spirit. They made such a big deal about getting the Spirit, they weren't staying filled with the Spirit. God's will for His people is for us to all, can we say all, be filled. Verse 19 basically is saying, as you're being filled, speak to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. The ideal setting for being filled with the Spirit is, is worship. It's powerful. As you're worshiping, you're being encouraged, you're being washed, you're being filled. You're being empowered. God will bring revelations to your heart. This is the Holy Spirit. Bring answers to your questions. The promise is extended. Jesus is the promise maker. Earlier in Luke 11, verse 11, he said, If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? The answer, of course, is no. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Have you asked him? I want everybody to come to the place today, opening your minds and your hearts, to where you can boldly ask the Lord to fill you with his Spirit. And so I'm going to play a song, and right here in our seats, as we're listening to the song, feel free to pray the words of the song, even to sing with the song. Open your hearts up to receive the Spirit. I just pray, Lord, right now that by your Spirit you would fill every person here to overflowing with your Spirit. In Jesus' name. on me Fill me with your power Satisfy my needs Only you can make me whole Give me strength to make 